0: Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast,
1: coming to you from the headquarters of the National Federation of the Blind in Baltimore.
2: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. This is Melissa Riccobono, and I'm here with Anil Lewis.
1: That's right. I'm Anil Lewis, and you're Melissa Riccobono. That's true. Yes, very good. That was easy. Now we know who we are. Yeah.
2: (laughs) How was your Easter?
1: It was pretty interesting. Uh, It was a very, very busy Easter. I I learned a little uh, phrase the other day. I did kind of oversleep and a friend of mine was telling me, he says, well, you know, on on Easter Sunday, Jesus rose, but I did not. So that's what I did. I kind of overslept.
2: <laughs> well, as long as you rose eventually <laughs> yeah. when when you said, I did not, that yeah, kind of yeah. sounds yeah. a little bit dire. I, 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 I did know. eventually, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> Glad to hear that.
1: Just in time for brunch. I know uh, that's a shame, but it was delicious. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yum. How about you, Easter?
2: Uh, very, very nice. We actually went to Wisconsin for a little vacation the week before Easter. Our kids were off on spring break. So Excellent. we were able, uh, Mark was at the Wisconsin convention for their little family reunion convention, which was awesome. really nice. I had to come in very late Saturday night. It's a very long story, but uh, you know, family things going on <laughs> and this thing and that thing. And yeah, life so happens. It does. And yeah. so we traveled late. I flew with the, the kids by myself and then uh, we were able to meet Mark's mom there in Milwaukee and eventually go to the Wisconsin Dells and have a nice vacation in a little indoor water park. Actually it's awesome. a very big indoor water park. And then we were able to go and visit my mom for a couple of days. So it was it was very nice a busy Mark's dad. Yeah, very yeah, well it was a whole week. So Good. Mark's dad came too. So it was it was really nice. We were able to see family and uh then we got back before Easter. Now poor Elizabeth, her suitcase was Left in Milwaukee somehow, so, but it came back. It came back home <laughs> yesterday, late. <laughs> so, all the possessions are back <laughs> where they need to Excellent. be. Excellent.
1: Hopefully, she still had the toys. That would be awful.
2: Oh, she did, and she had two stuffed animals, including one brand new one that she had just bought. And she Good. kept saying, "My animals are, are together on their journey." <laughs> and I said, "Yes, they Aww. are together on their journey." And beautiful. So they came home, and so now the kids are back in school today. So uh, back to, back to reality, I guess.
1: Which brings us right here, back at the Nation's Blind Podcast. What are we talking about this time, Melissa?
2: Knowledge. Oh, and knowledge is power. power. That's right. Knowledge is power. It is.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> well i not going to say what I was about to say. Sorry. Uh, but yes, knowledge is power. And we're going to be talking a lot about technology and how technology impacts access to information for blind people. Uh, and we're still waiting to make sure that, you know, that our listeners out there engage us. So we hope these topics are meaningful to you. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback. We've had a couple of phone calls; have been pretty interesting. But we encourage all of you to reach out to us. Um, I think that in lieu of all the things that we're going to be talking about today, to set the stage, um, I was remembering when I went blind back in 1989, and I was still in school at the time, going to college, and I thought I was going to have to drop out because I didn't know anything about any uh, alternative skills of blindness. And unfortunately, I was introduced to, you know, the technology first, not any of the fundamental stuff. The technology then was books on tape, uh, and it was really Ooh. interesting, you know, getting getting books on Very tape. Very technical. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, you have four-track tape recorders, you oh, know, and, I, and I, I remember it's a learning thing because, you know, listening to books on tape, it's not active, you know, like reading with your eyes, with your fingers. And I remember, you know, getting that economics book, and it's this Chapter One, The Supply and Demand Curve chapter Five. You know? <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. no i gotta yeah, exactly. rewind the yeah. tape Yeah, there you go and it doesn't it doesn't you don't learn through osmosis just because the tape was playing doesn't mean that you learn the stuff so it took took time to learn but i became overly dependent on that technology and i also became overly dependent on individuals providing me that information in a way you know that allowed me to be competitive in that post-secondary environment so uh, we are working as an organization to make sure that Post-secondary educational materials and just educational materials and information overall is provided in a timely fashion, in an affordable fashion. What is the phrase? I forget. Same book, same, same time, price, same price. price. Yep, yeah. that's that's the one. So we're working on that.
2: Yeah, we yeah. we definitely are. We have some legislation in Congress again that uh, is is working on that. The the aim high, don't mm-hmm. deny, aim high. Mm-hmm which provides guidelines, I don't want to steal Chris's thunder, but it provides (laughs) guidelines to colleges and universities for how to make their materials truly accessible. Yeah,
1: and I think a lot of people don't understand what that really entails. And that's why I thought it was really cute, our little April Fool's video uh, that we put together that kind of flipped the script on the accessibility, Uh, you know, played with what if we were in a world where blindness and Braille was the default. How would the people who read print feel about it? In a world. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, see, so you should do that. That's the trailer setting up. The, uh, we should play that. Let's let's play the April Fool's video. That sounds like a great idea. All right. So let's we'll take a listen to our April Fool's video. You're listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast.
0: Okay, class. Here is the syllabus and everything you'll need for this semester.
3: Students pass out materials.
4: Um, professor, this is all in braille. Can I get it in print? I can't read Braille.
5: Oh, yes, Jim. Um, all of the materials this semester will be available in Braille. They're also available on the website for the class. And uh, there's a computer in the computer lab
4: available to you.
5: And if that isn't going to work for you, you could go to print material services and get that converted for you.
4: After that, what about date? How in the world am I supposed to access the professor's website? This computer is only accessible to someone who knows how to use JAWS without the screen on. I guess I'll call Print Material Services. Yes, hi. I'm in Professor Smith's class. Um, I need to get my materials in print, and he's only got them available in Braille. He said I'd have to go through you to get the
0: print. Sure, we'll be able to get that for you. Just let me get some information from you.
3: One week later...
0: Hi. yes. I called last week to get print materials for
4: Professor Smith's class. Uh, When will those be ready?
2: Uh, Well, you know, it looks like we have the first page done, uh, but we're still waiting on, you know, production of this material. I'm really sorry. It it takes a while.
4: Right, but when will they be ready? Um, I'm starting to fall behind in class.
2: I'm really sorry to hear that, Han, but, you know, we're we're doing the best that we can. Two months
3: later.
4: Hi. um, I've been calling once a week for this whole semester. I'm trying to get the materials for Professor Smith's class in print. I really need those materials. The final is my last chance to pull my grade up from a D.
3: Hi Jim, we received your request. We're still working on it and we'll have a response for you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Bye. Fifty years later.
4: Oh, I wonder what this is. I didn't order anything. It's got my alma mater's name on it. Dear Mr. Brown, enclosed you will find the print materials for Professor Smith's class as requested. Good luck this semester. Oh man, I've got to call Karen. She was so great at helping me out by reading the Braille materials to me all that time. She'll get a kick out of this.
3: April Fools!
5: Hello, I'm Mark Riccobono, President of the National Federation of the Blind. In the National Federation of the Blind, we're concerned about the barriers that blind students continue to face in educational settings because of a lack of accessibility. Today we have the tools and the knowledge to be able to deliver to blind students equal access to materials at the same time as their sighted peers. But unfortunately, in far too many classrooms, whether it be in higher education or K-12, blind students are left to wait, not just for access to printed materials, but also for access to digital content through computers or Chromebooks or iPads or other technologies that are used in the classroom. The good news is that through the National Federation of the Blind we have a lot of experience with what to do about this and we continue to want to be partners with educational institutions to ensure equal access for blind students in the classroom. On the other hand, we continue to protect the right of blind students to make sure that that equal access is available when students are being denied. So, uh, we have continued to seek relief for blind students in higher education that face systemic barriers in their universities and are denied access by uh, bringing litigation against universities in some cases we've been able to find really great partnerships with those universities to make equal access happen we also work with ebook and technology uh, vendors to make sure that their products are equally accessible so that when universities or K12 schools buy them they're buying a product that is equally accessible to all students there's still a great need though for each of us to get involved in promoting equal access for blind students. And you can help the National Federation of the Blind by supporting our efforts, by making a donation to us, or by signing our petition to support equal access in higher education, in instructional materials, and learn more about the legislative and policy efforts we're undertaking in the National Federation of the Blind to promote equal access in educational materials for all students.
1: Yeah, I think that's just the cutest little video. Uh, a nice little cameo there, Melissa. Oh, well,
2: thank yeah. you. You know, that was, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And, and uh, it's, I thought everybody did a nice job. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I like our April Fools videos. I think we've done a couple cute ones. Yeah, but it's it was- a very serious issue.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you made it serious, but you also made it authentic with a little Baltimore pun. That was pretty good. <laughs> well, but, yeah, no one. I really thought that that was really good. I loved the 50 years later. That yes. was hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was hilarious. But you know, I felt that way sometimes when I went to law school and I was trying to get the blue book. I mean, that I mean, they gave it to me in little bitty pieces. And I, if blue book is the, I think it's called the blue book for citations. And little bitty pieces of it doesn't really help you because you need to learn how to do what you need to learn how to do, and access it as a reference book. So it was really kind of interesting, but I love the way we did that. I hope that uh, individuals that see that really get it and recognize that you know, a blind person having to go to a special place to get access to educational materials that everyone else gets out of hand is just really not a reasonable expectation.
2: Especially because we have the technology now; we're we're past the days of books on tape, mm-hmm. which which were great for their time, but. Mm-hmm. We're past that. I mean, the internet and everything else that's available should be the equalizer. I agree. Really. I and agree. I mean, it's just, as as President Riccobono likes to say, it's just ones and zeros. There's yeah. no reason that it can't be made I re- accessible.
1: I remember back in Georgia, early on, we were trying to do, um, pass legislation to get uh, the colleges to use e- e-books, e-text materials. And I was sitting up there in a little bit of a small hearing room with some of the uh, the representatives there. And I told them, I said, you guys need to understand, it's not we're not doing it with a printing press anymore. No one's putting characters up on this little plate and running paper across it. It's just like you say, ones and zeros. It's digital. Right. You know. And it it's just should be so much easier than it really is. But we'll continue to work on that. Um we had an opportunity, I had an opportunity to really kind of debrief a lot of the stuff we're doing in our access technology space by talking with Clara. So, um Clara Van Gervin is our manager of Access Technology. And uh we had an opportunity to review some of the things we've been doing in that space around accessibility and technology. And uh, so, if you want, we can take a listen to talking about my federation. Uh, I had the opportunity again to talk to Ms. Clara Van Jerven, our manager of Access Tech.
2: Great, let's take a listen. You're listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast. Blind eyes
3: have seen the vision of the.
1: all right it's time to talk about our federation and this is anil lewis here with claire van Derven, the manager of access technology for the national federation of the blind journey and institute how you doing Claire?
3: i'm excellent how about yeah, yourself
1: i'm doing great we're gonna see if we can get you to relax a little bit before this is over i see you got your professional <laughs> persona on let's see if we can get the listeners to get to know the real you well this year this is this year this this month uh we're talking on the podcast about access tech so who better to have on the podcast talking about Access Tech Then, my dear friend Clara. Uh, just as an aside, one of the benefits of working for such a wonderful organization as the National Federation of the Blind is working with such tremendous people like Clara. And uh, we've been able to work together to move the uh, Access Tech footprint of the Federation forward. Uh, I take credit for it. Clara does all the work. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and likewise, it's a real p- privilege to work with the colleagues here.
1: I agree. So we talked about, uh, we, we've been talking about Access Tech an in intro and I want to start talking about access technology with respect to what we do and our access technology team here at the Institute within the Federation. Um so let's talk specifically about education and then we'll kind of back out our way into more broader technology space. So we do some work with Pearson. Do you want to describe some of the work we do there? Sure. Well I guess we should also tell our listeners who is Pearson, what do they do?
3: So Pearson is vast. Um, they do everything from testing to publishing to, at one point, being involved in the building of the Holland Tunnel. So really, yes, well, that then is I that I is know. fact. Wow.
1: Yes, but- is it accessible? Just kidding, just kidding. Now, just <laughs> accessible clear, but dangerous. There you go. When you say testing, you mean student testing, not testing accessibility, but actually for accessible tests that students take. Right,
3: high stakes assessment. Okay. So they do that work, and we actually have done some testing for them to make sure that their testing platforms accessible and they have they are in the process of doing some phenomenal work on creating an accessible math equation editor, oh. because math is a is still a pretty significant gap in accessibility, which is to say it's hard to get. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that Pearson's doing a lot of great work, but that's a particular highlight for. Uh, in terms of impact, I think
1: that's excellent. Pearson has been really tremendous partners with the federation. Uh, last mm-hmm. month, we talked about our our uh, mentoring partnership with Pearson. So we're we're just ever growing. And you say they also do publishing.
3: They do, and they've actually been a big advocate for another piece that we've been working on. That we actually just had an event around on March twenty third.
1: Yeah, you're probably still recovering from that. Uh,
3: well, mostly mostly actually energized from okay. it because it was it was really a great group of people that we had here to talk about. Basically accessible ebooks and particularly working around EPUB as a format and seeing how where the gaps are right now. Now we're gonna have to back up and, and talk
1: is. to people that have the knowledge base around this like I do. So <laughs> when you say EPUB and ebook we know that's you know language that you use. does, what, <laughs> what does that mean?
3: So it's any kind of digital book mm-hmm. um, is is broadly accessible ebooks. And EPUB specifically, a lot of people won't necessarily know this as a name the way that they might know. PDF, mm-hmm. but it's, if you have an Apple iBook, odds are that that's an EPUB book. Okay. So if it's you, a
1: format that publishers can use to produce digital material that's accessible to blind people.
3: Correct. and unlike I get a smiley face. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And unlike uh, some of the other formats out there, it's, it's natively very, very um, adaptable. And so you can use it with multimedia. It can reflow. You can use different Font sizes. There's all sorts of it works on mobile, works on desktop. It's wow. Very flexible.
1: Wow. So we, the Federation, brought the who's who of digital publishing here to the Jernigan Institute.
3: Absolutely.
1: And you coordinated all that. Yes. Yeah, How do you feel about it?
3: I I feel like the event was really fabulous. I just I agree. Came away with that with a great a great sense of both of the progress that we have made and that you know not to not to beat about the bush, but that the NFB's really contributed to mm-hmm. um where we've come from a situation where by default a book was inaccessible and now by default a book is accessible. And we're That's helping to guide
1: that conversation to make sure that the evolution of EPUB, you know, continues.
3: Correct. And that we can do some of the things that are still lacking. Um and you know, science, technology, engineering and math, mm-hmm. that education piece is still is still um, we're, that's still a work in progress. Yeah,
1: I can imagine. And we're talking about digital access to material. So it's through speech, but also in refreshable Braille on many devices. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: And the Braille piece is absolutely key. There's just no question that when you're looking at something, well, looking at math is a good example, mm-hmm. where that's one of the parts that's hardest to get at right now. Yeah, but, but the most also, important
1: to be in Braille. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's kind of hard to to listen to Large numbers and figures and formulas and yes. really conceptualize it.
3: And to to make a bit of a segue to the next uh, next topic that you had wanted.
1: To I love the way you've taken over this interview. <laughs> Go right ahead.
3: <laughs> Tackle um, yeah. one of the one of the things that we're <laughs> seeing appear now is lower cost braille, and that yeah. came up at at the CSUN conference in in uh, San Diego this year. Okay. Where we so now earlier. it's my job
1: to to dumb <laughs> it down again. What is CSUN?
3: So CSUN is the largest conference for technology for people with disabilities mm-hmm. in the US.
1: So I love the fact that, of course, through our EPUB conference, we brought the who's who here. But we also have to have a footprint on the national stage. And CSUN mm-hmm. is the largest conference. So we were there. And I love the fact that we're, we want to make the federation synonymous with accessibility. And by doing that, we have to put our professional expertise in those spaces so people can see so you and the rest of our access tech Te- technology team actually traveled to was it san Diego
3: San Diego to so participate
1: at CSUN. what what did our guys do what 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 contribution did we make
3: uh goodness a couple of different things so um to keep it in line with the with the braille theme mm-hmm. um Amy and Carl presented on the braille support that's present in the different oper the main operating systems right mm-hmm. now, so that's to say Windows. Um, Mac, Chromebook, OS, okay. Android, and iOS. Okay,
1: and then some are a little further along than others. Yes, but all still need some work. Yes, okay, that's yes, safe to absolutely. say. Absolutely. Yeah, we want to be true partners to our to our friends out there, and 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 let them know that uh, we recognize the importance of uh, technology to even the playing field for blind individuals. But it's only relevant if it's truly accessible to blind individuals. So we we hold them accountable to making sure that as they progressed toward making their software the best that's out there that they also make it possible for blind people to take advantage of that resource as well.
3: Yes. And we're we're pretty frank about sharing feedback. <laughs> and we've in, in most cases we've a, we've a pretty direct relationship mm-hmm. with them. And so having that kind of a frank exchange of information is is really helpful. Yeah, I agree. So that was one of the presentations um the team did Amy and I also did a presentation on um, simple phones, whether those be smartphones or flip phones, mm-hmm. that um, people can use with not a ton of training because a lot of the questions that we did, get is... Did you
1: say flip phones? Oh, yes. Oh, that's right. You showed me one of those. I An did. accessible flip phone. Oh, yes. Oh, man. That's that like was a nifty way one, back. too. Yeah, that was pretty that was a
3: cool. It a uh, little Alcatel phone from Sprint. <laughs> yep.
1: Flip phones. All right. Yeah. So, so we, we're going backwards and forwards all at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
3: There's and there's still a, quite a bit of, of demand from people for phones that don't require the kind of learning curve if mm-hmm. you're not familiar that say yeah. an iOS or you know an iPhone would take.
1: So, yeah. Especially with the seniors I would imagine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
3: Exactly. And there's the whole spectrum, right? Some seniors want to use an iPhone, but mm-hmm. there's definitely a good group of people that that don't want to deal with that complexity.
1: Okay, so braille, simple phones, what else did we do at CESA?
3: Well, we talked about a new pro- uh, project, well, project that's been in the work for a little, works for a little while, mm-hmm. where um, Chris Law and I presented on the Accessibility Switchboard, which the accessibility is-
1: Accessibility Switchboard that's being developed under the Center for Excellence in Non-Visual Access by the National Federation of the Blind in collaboration with AccessTrack, with Chris Law's group, with funding support from the Maryland, no, the state of Maryland, administered through the Maryland Department of Disability. I think I got all the players in.
3: Yep, I think you did.
1: What is the accessibility switchboard?
3: So that's a really exciting project where Chris has actually uh, done a lot of work with us on putting together a portal of resources around, right now it's mostly focused on web accessibility, Mm -hmm. and where it's really catered to, okay, what type of, what type of, um, organization are you in? Mm-hmm. And what type of answers do you need? How, you know, what kind of information do you need? Right. And so we're really building that out as a central point that's really easy to read mm-hmm. and easy to understand because there's a lot of information about accessibility and web accessibility out there right now. Yeah. And a lot of it's not very friendly to humans. Yeah,
1: very overly technical. Mm-hmm. But I like the component of bringing all the players to one portal. Mm -hmm. So you got a place for consumers to go with problems around accessibility that they may experience. Uh, It's broken down into governmental agencies or commercial businesses or higher education. And I think that by bringing everyone together in that same centralized portal, you not only meet their need for information, but you also get them collaborating and sharing information because I think it's helpful for the developers on the corporate side of things to know the problems that consumers are having and vice versa.
3: And there's a pretty powerful or a pretty large community of practice behind that project as well. It's mm-hmm. not just a question of, you know, the ENFB working with Chris, it's much broader than that.
1: Yes, he's done a great job of bringing some true talent uh, to bear on our communities of practice. Mm-hmm. So it's not us preaching what we feel is correct, it's getting all those voices together, finding out where the truth is, and then publishing it in a way, like you said, that's very simple and easy for people to really extrapolate and, and understand. Well, extrapolate wasn't the word I was looking for. but you know, it's okay. Sometimes <laughs> I try to use big words that I shouldn't be using. Keep that one, uh, Will. Let's not edit that out. I want people to know that I'm humble. Um, <laughs> so we have all these things at CSUN. I'm sure there's a host of other things. They usually have a really big exhibit hall as well. Right. And we could have a whole episode on Sun alone. Oh, we could have several. <laughs> there you go. I like to take the time, though, to kind of maybe put you on the spot. So all the stuff that you see, all the stuff that you experience, and all the things that you even um, dealt with, individually. What what do you think? What's that cutting edge? What's that horizon look like for access tech? What should we be looking for?
3: Gosh, there's a lot of different things that are happening right now mm-hmm. that I think are really interesting. And there's, to me, there's two pieces to this. On the one hand, there is, okay, what technology is on the horizon? And that always changes. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, there's, okay, what do we as an organization Bring to the table what are our what are our strengths and what where do we excel in in making a big impact mm-hmm. and I think that is um, a, a bit more. Common. We've been very successful, um, I think, in in forging really strong partnerships that allow us to have that kind of impact.
1: And that really was that was a nice visionary statement. It's not about <laughs> what is that next gadget. It's around making sure that we develop relationships and partnerships that move forward. You know that true accessibility, the enculturation of accessibility, regardless of what the landscape may be. So I, that's all right. I'll <laughs> give you a smiley face on that one. You know? So, is there anything else you want to add?
3: No, I think that there's um, there's lots of exciting things that are in that gadget category, and we always love keeping an eye on. Yeah, that. yeah. And um, from uh, from our perspective, there's a lot of emphasis on the big partnerships. Mm-hmm but f- for me there's a lot of a, a lot to be gained too from the less obvious um, collaborations that we do with the guys who haven't made it big yet yeah and so we keep an eye on that as well and i think that's really important is to to cultivate the the partnerships with a big tech company but to also keep a um
1: keep an eye track eye for that of next best the best thing supporting those entrepreneurs with those exactly. innovative ideas and building on that and lending our expertise expertise to that development yes I agree I would agree with that wholeheartedly
3: and that's a privilege that's that's the fun part
1: look at that and you just kind of omitted the gadgets I know the team loves looking at that next new toy open up the package on the next new device so
3: and that's great and you know we might finally have multi-line Braille on the horizon and there's all sorts of great stuff look at that but um,
1: well this this is is one of the reasons I enjoy I'm sure our listeners can tell how much uh, energy Clara has around this and the whole team has around access technology again One of the greatest uh, benefits of working here is the people. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Clara Van Dervan, unfortunately, is not a blind person. She's a sighted person. Uh, But to her credit, she's one of those people that we in the Federation say gets it. She is a blind person at heart. It is indeed a joy working with you. And thank you for spending time. This has been our conversation with Clara Van Dervan, Manager of Access Technology, on the Nation's Blind Podcast.
3: glory
1: Good, so we're back that I really um cannot say enough about our access technology staff. We have probably the the best team uh, that's out there when it comes to access technology and the way that we participate at our c Sun at the c CSUN conference, which is the biggest kind of technology conference around accessibility. And the fact that our team always has a space there to be presenting is powerful, uh, but bringing it here, bringing uh, people here to our facility here at the Jernigan Institute through that EPUB conference, I think that's really kind of um, game changing because we set the tone, right? We bring people in and we start talking about uh, what we need as blind people because uh, we always say we, we don't, we're don't, we not experts in everything, but we are experts in blindness. And when we can bring those publishers and those other individuals who are committed to accessibility all in that same form and we make them recognize, we help them recognize what it needs or what it takes to help blind people access this information, then it's a win-win.
2: Definitely. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And as far as our Access Tech staff go, they are wonderful. And the thing that I love about what we do is... We're like the consumer reports, right? So we mm-hmm. actually evaluate all these different products. We can give very honest feedback, very good recommendations to people. And then, of course, we're coming into the new space of designing our own technology with yeah. KNFB Reader and, of course, uh, back in the day with Newsline and Jobline. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's really powerful and really important. Again, nothing about us without us, right? We need yeah. to be able to take a look and. Really, kick the tires on the technology that's out there, and then also do what we can to design our own to make technology better for everybody
1: yeah I love the fact that we can give those truly unbiased uh comments on the technology. Sometimes people like what we say and <laughs> sometimes they don't <laughs> like what we say, but we are always honest and genuinely authentic to the needs of blind people so uh, we a- have, and our- the
2: needs vary that's what i' that's, that's what I appreciate the most because especially when it's a a student or A senior or somebody that just sees something in a catalog Mm -hmm. again the companies they're selling their own products Mm -hmm. so of course they're going to make it sound wonderful Mm -hmm. and and like it's going to solve all the problems of the world but until you really are able to get your own hands on it get some opinions compare and contrast because there's more and more technology out there all the time right that's that's the thing that I really love you know I I hate seeing people spend a lot of money on things that really aren't going to be useful for them, that might be great products for somebody else, but just might not be useful for them. So I love to be able to tell them, hey, before you plunk down that money, come to the Access Technology Center or call them on the phone. Talk Mm -hmm. about, have a conversation. Talk about what you need, need, what you're looking for. Um, and and then they can give you some great recommendations.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, For those those of you who don't know our listeners, we have the International Braille Technology Center where we, the National Federation of the Blind, have $2.5 million worth of access technology here on site. Uh, Everything from accessible cell phones to old school uh, braille embossers to uh, note takers. We even have the different examples of the accessible voting machines here because we do want to make sure that individuals who need to really get their hands on something to really take a look at it get that opportunity and also so that our guys can actually get real life experience with these devices so that when we're giving people feedback on them, it's not just based on, as Melissa was saying, the brochure. It's actually based on them kicking the wheels on the devices. So we hope that you avail yourself to that resource and we continue to support that in a way that, again, uh, builds the organization and our credibility in the access, access technology space.
2: Definitely. And if you're not in the Baltimore area, we do have the technology answer line where you can call our main number, and one of the options, I don't know which one it is, but on our main menu there's an option for the technology answer line and you can leave a voicemail, ask a question, and then someone will get back to you. Mm-hmm. So it works it works great even if you're not right here in Baltimore.
1: Now we've been doing a lot around uh, making sure that policies are passed in a way that um, gets ac- access technology in the hands of blind people, make sure that post-secondary educational materials are accessible, we'll get a chance to talk about what we've been doing on our In the News segment with Chris Danielson. So I'm looking forward to talking to him about that because I believe you have the privilege this month. I do have the yeah. privilege this month, and that's I'm excited about that. Interesting, yeah. you're going to be talking to this guy named Mark Rocabono. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm, well, wonder what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, blindness. we have a good.
2: Oh, well, that's a good idea. I <laughs> yeah. hope we have a good rapport. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have warmth yeah. and you know good yeah. rapport with people. Yeah, yeah you, you'll like. He's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, well, you know, He's I understand. He's like the president. He is the president of the president, National Federation of
1: the Blind. Oh You'll be goodness. just fine. Oh, okay, well, good. you get a chance to get ready while I talk to Chris. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Good. Let's take a look, a listen to what's going on in the news. You're listening to the nation's blind podcast. All right. You're listening to the nation's blind podcast. This is Neil Lewis and I'm here with Mr. Christopher Danielson.
0: Or Chris Danielson, whatever yeah. you want to call me.
1: Uh, I'm just, you know, giving you grief because, you know, you spent Easter at Woodbury Kitchen and, you know, I didn't get an invitation, so... Yeah,
0: yeah, well, you know, it <laughs> happens sometimes. Uh, you, you've you had some meals that I haven't been invited to, too, so, you know. Uh, Woodbury Understood. Kitchen, for those of us... Uh, <laughs> Who's getting a free plug, by the way? No,
1: no, no. No ads. No, we can't do that. Yeah, we can't we well, can't do this. Just do your research. But yeah, just just know yeah, that I was exactly. envious of the fact that you know right. Chris got to go and I did not. Okay. So let's All talk right. about the news. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about the news.
0: Let's talk about the aim high the aim high act okay. of twenty seventeen, which has been introduced. I believe you guys alluded to it earlier and mm-hmm. scooped me, uh, no, we but didn't that's scoop. okay.
1: Now, I remember you talked about Aim High in the formulation of it in the earlier podcast, but now we've got actual legislative language introduced. That
0: is correct. Yeah. We have a bill that has been introduced. Ooh-hoo. It is in the House of Representatives. Congressman Phil Rowe, Dr. Phil Rowe of Tennessee, <laughs> who spoke at our Washington seminar, yeah. uh, introduced this legislation. Uh, and it is for those who care about these things, and we all do the bill number is h r seventeen seventy two so when you call your members of Congress to talk about our legislation, all you have to do is really spit out the bill numbers there you um, go. so and seventeen
1: seventy two yes
0: seventeen seventy two and uh we can 't forget that uh he uh, had uh a lead co-sponsor in uh representative Joe Courtney of Connecticut. Excellent. Um and Mr. Rowe is a Republican and Mr. Courtney is a Democrat and that's only important because it emphasizes the bipartisan nature of this legislation.
1: And of the Federation, and blindness the Federation. doesn't discriminate and has no party affiliation.
0: That is correct. Yeah and so what this bill does uh for those who who need a refresher is it establishes voluntary guidelines that universities and colleges can follow in order to make sure that the technology that they use is accessible to blind people Mm -hmm. Um, and this will incentivize the universities to do this it will incentivize technology companies to create accessible technology because the universities will be asking for it.
1: Right, and the Uh, guidelines are important because in those instances where the universities and the the publishers want to do it, knowing how to do it is completely different. So having those guidelines, coaching them on how to make it accessible is probably going to be very helpful.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, you know, surprisingly enough... Although you would think it would be fairly self-evident, uh, it's it's not necessarily. And mm-hmm. you know, we've we've all been in those meetings where people actually say, "Well, what do you mean by accessibility? How do we make sure that things are accessible?" Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, and you said self-evident. That had me thinking. What what is that phrase? We hold, hold these, these truths to, to be self-evident. self-evident. Aim
0: high. Don't A- deny. Aim A- high. Don't <laughs> deny. Aim high. So that's the Aim High Act. Okay. Um, we also have, and this is exciting, uh, we also had the Access Technology Affordability Act hmm. introduced. This is a law that will help blind people purchase access technology. We all know that we want access technology, we need access technology in many cases, but it is not Always cheap. Yeah. Um. It is getting cheaper in in some areas, but uh, maybe not in others. But, uh, we now have legislation to address that. And the exciting thing is, it was introduced in both the House and Senate. Wow. At the same time. Excellent. So we have a House Bill HR seventeen thirty four introduced by Representatives David Young of Ohio, Mm -hmm. very good friend to the Federation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is he
1: the, the congressman that came to pay us a visit? Yes, he okay. is. Excellent. He
0: is, and uh, and uh, he's a real real champion. Uh, I believe uh, Jim Omvig wrote an article about him in a re- re- the recent a recent issue of the Braille Monitor, mm. as well. Um, and he had uh, a Democratic uh, companion, uh, Representative Lucille Roybal Allard of California. Wow. And then we have a, a bipartisan introduction in the Senate as well of the Senate bill, which is s 732 um and that was introduced by senators john boozman of arkansas Mm -hmm. republican and uh ben cardin of maryland oh excellent so there you go
1: uh really good representation of members of congress across the country that's that's wonderful
0: yeah it really is and and by the way the the mechanism through which uh this bill seeks to make technology more affordable is mm-hmm. a, a an individual tax credit uh, a multi-year individual tax credit that individuals can use uh toward the purchase of access technology
1: so if i purchase the technology and i show the documentation yes I can, uh, and it's a tech tax, tax credit not a deduction
0: right right awesome. exactly awesome um we also um we didn't you know, really spotlight this at the Washington Seminar, but we have not stopped working on the Transitioning to Integrated and Meaningful Employment Act. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that has been introduced. Our our old friend, and I I'd say old in the sense that he is a longtime friend, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Harper of yeah. Mississippi has reintroduced the uh, the Time Act.
1: Standing member of Congress.
0: Yes, he is. Yeah. And that is H.R. 1377. We're really hopeful for this law uh, this time around because it is now in the platforms of both of the major political parties, mm-hmm. the Republican and Democratic parties, that the sub-minimum wage exemption, the 14C exemption, should be phased out. Mm-hmm. So, and I
1: love the new language because it, it's demonstrative of the evolution we've had in our progress toward phasing out the 14C provision. Now the language itself takes in consideration all the success we've had over these many years, and I think it's really finally putting the final nails in the coffin of I think the 14C so. provision.
0: Yeah. I I agree with that totally. Mm-hmm. So that's been reintroduced. So those who... Uh, maybe got a little concerned at Washington seminar that that wasn't brought up uh, you know we should never assume that because something isn't brought up at Washington seminar that we're not still working on it yeah. and we are still working on it and the time act has been reintroduced
1: excellent our advocacy and policy team has been very active
0: absolutely
1: what else do we have there chris
0: well we have a couple of other things so we just finished up the uh, 10th annual Jacobus Tenbrook Law Symposium. It was
1: amazing. The turnout was record breaking. Over two hundred people there.
0: Yes, uh, and this is a, 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 an event that really goes across not only the blind community but the disability community, mm-hmm. um, and it's a way for us to emphasize our leadership in disability rights, but also to really form alliances and and find out what some of the issues are that. Uh, we have in common across disabilities because while we uh can and do only speak for blind people and the particular needs we have in the National Federation of the Blind, there mm-hmm. are uh there are issues that we can work on together right. uh with I mean the the Time Act is is one of them.
1: For and we example. bring our cross disability partners in and mm-hmm. we all work together in concert.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it was a great uh, it's always a great symposium. And we're really pleased with the success of this one, and it, it it makes a huge difference and a lot of great work is being done I, I remember, for example, last year, there was a great deal of discussion of the rights of blind people and and other people with disabilities who are in prison mm-hmm. and now we have uh, we've actually done some work on that in the National Federation of the Blind, along right. with other disability uh, partners so there's always new things that we that we um, uh develop at the law symposium and then the last thing i want to mention is uh do you dream in color
1: yes yes i do
0: uh well i don't (laughs) um but you know some blind people do some blind people don't it (laughs) depends on what your experience is Mm -hmm. but do you dream in color anil is also actually the title of a movie
1: yeah wonderful movie nice little documentary
0: Right. Um, And this is a documentary that was that was made. uh, It was actually made a few years ago, but it's just being distributed now. And if you want to see it, you can get it on iTunes and Amazon and Google Play and Xbox Live and <laughs> some of your uh, on-demand pl- platforms. Wow.
1: Do you have all of those, Chris?
0: I don't have oh, okay. all of those, no. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you watch a lot of television. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And who has time to watch television? I know. Television? That's right. I know. Anyway, um, but it's a great little film. It focuses on four uh, blind people who were teenagers at the time. Yeah. And their different goals, different dreams that they had, and mm-hmm. how they achieved those dreams, and
1: and the challenges they faced in trying to achieve those dreams. Yes,
0: yeah. and and there were challenges, and a lot of the challenges going back to the theme of our podcast had to do with the education system mm-hmm. and whether the education system was uh, meeting their needs as blind students. Yeah. So. Uh, it's it's a worthwhile documentary and we'll we'll be uh putting out more information about it in because what we'd like to see is um all of the chapters and affiliates at can maybe hosting screenings yeah, of the film. It's a
1: great tool for public awareness and education. It is. Yeah, it I mean, is because it, it it's a real story about these four kids and they really kinda of open up their lives to to the viewers.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And and we really see the impact that uh, that blindness and it and it really it, that blindness, but not not blindness itself. I mean, mm-hmm. the film makes the point that it's it's not blindness itself that is the barrier. It's yeah. actually the externalities uh, yeah. in the education system and sometimes in other
1: areas. Yeah, and societal beliefs the around the capacity of blind people. It, it really does. It, it samples quite a bit, and I really commend these four young people to really. You know, sharing their lives in that way. I, I don't know how they feel about it. Well, I do know a little bit because I had the opportunity to follow up and talk to them subsequent to the movie, and we're hoping to really have them engage in our efforts as well. But I don't think they knew at the time when they were filming this the impact that they were going to be having.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. And and, and these are these are four really uh, charismatic and yeah. focused yeah. young people, and uh, it's it's really a a joy to watch them and it's really amazing that they opened up in this way and i think it's going to uh figuratively open the eyes of a lot of there people. There you go. There and you for, go. Those who, for those who are interested, by the way, it is it is available with audio description mm-hmm. on all of the platforms that support it. So and all of this information, get,
1: the legislation and the Do You Dream in Color and those things, they'll be in the show notes for those of you who want to access more information about things right. on the web.
0: And Do You Dream in Color does have its own website, um, which, which we actually, the National Federation actually, put together with the permission of the filmmakers mm-hmm. and that's do color dot com just if you awesome. want to go straight to it and nice. find out more about it
1: so that's the news well thanks for sharing Chris
0: very welcome all right, you're listening to the pleasure. nation's
1: blind podcast it's always
2: amazing to me all the things that are happening on a monthly basis I, I tell you we are never <laughs> we are never idle here yeah. Uh, yeah. do you dream in color though I'm really excited about that I very much hope that we can get some good screenings of that around the country. I really hope that when we have ours in Baltimore, a bunch of people can come specifically mm-hmm. from uh, our kids' school and just everybody, the neighborhood. It would it would be really nice.
1: And that's the impact, not just look, getting blind people to see yeah, Oh, that, it. Although that's Although it is it. powerful for blind people, I think the crossover to other individuals is probably going to be more impactful. Definitely. Yeah.
2: That's really, that's, that's really the kind of tool that it needs to be. It needs to be an outreach tool. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I haven't seen it yet. So I need to do that. I I did see that it was purchased on our iTunes account. Okay. So I have access to it. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it.
1: right, no spoilers. I'm not gonna tell you how it ends. Uh, but the butler does it. Oh (laughs) it is really good. It's It's one one of my favorite movies. It's a good film. The Clue movie. Yeah.
2: it's a good one
1: yeah and that's a board game too isn't it? it is and it yeah. is. Austin yeah. got you're, it for his like birthday or Christmas I don't remember diva. which one for those of you who don't know Melissa Riccobono actually has the Monopoly board game in her head <laughs> she could play a game Monopoly without any boards that's just amazing yeah
2: a lot of Monopoly <laughs> yeah. was played yeah. when I was a child yes <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my yeah you know, that's people a different- some people, you know,
1: so. <laughs> Others play Monopoly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, speaking of knowledge is power. <laughs> having the knowledge of the Monopoly board in your head gives you power when you play. It, because, it does. Yeah, sure, there you go. absolutely. <laughs> so you, you had the opportunity, of course, to do the presidential privilege with uh, President Riccobono. I did. And uh, I think that we should let our listeners take a look at what this dynamic duo uh, talks about. You're listening
2: to the Nation's Blind Podcast. Welcome back. This is Melissa Riccobono, and I am pleased and privileged to be sitting with the president of the National Federation of the Blind, Mark Riccobono. How are you today?
5: I'm doing great. Thank you.
2: Great. Well, nice to have you on the privilege.
5: Yes, it's my privilege.
2: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I've got to come up with a different opening. That's, no, that's kind of standard. I like that one, yeah. though. It's It's nice. Very, very nice. So... How have things been going? Uh, Good vacation last week?
5: Yeah, good vacation, yeah. Uh, Doing a lot of reflecting on uh, the work that we're undertaking in the Federation and getting ready for the National Convention.
2: Absolutely, the National Convention. It'll be here before we know it. Yes. Definitely. So, you know, the theme of this episode is knowledge is power, and so I was just hoping that we could reflect a little bit. Uh, We were talking a lot about uh, do you dream in color in the news, And that really leads in very nicely to talking about our educational system and sort of all those basic skills that blind people need. You know, technology is great, but I don't think that it ever will take the place of of some good training and some good skills.
5: Well, you know, one of the core values of our organization and and really reflected in our brand, our personality, is. being smart. Uh, We try to make sure that blind people have all of the knowledge and expertise needed to beat the system. Uh, For example, uh, a lot of people just don't know that um, you can write your own rehabilitation plan. A lot of people expect that you go in and the rehabilitation professional will tell you what to do and how to do it and what you can and can't do but you know you can walk in the room with your own plan and say here's my plan and here's what I want to do and here's how I expect to do it and that's part of having knowledge and knowing how the law is actually intended to work and using it to your advantage most members of the federation actually know the rehabilitation law or the individuals with Disabilities Education Act better than the professionals working with it every day and that part of it's because we work on training people uh, social security Uh, a lot of blind people run into trouble with social security overpayments and other things but if you know what the law actually says if you know you can call on people in our organization to get information you don't get caught in the traps that the people who aren't connected with our organization often fall into
2: that's a really good point. And I had an opportunity just recently to write an article for Future Reflections. There's an issue coming out which is all about the IEP process. And in the article that I wrote, I talked a lot about uh, our journeys with our two girls and their IEPs. And the fact that even though we know a lot of things, it was really the help from the people in the National Federation of the Blind that made sure that we were on the right track and that our girls were able to get all the services that that they need and, and continue to get all the services that they need.
5: So. You know, so often in the blindness area, it probably happens in other areas as well, uh, we get talked into things. Um, when you get on the airplane, yeah, airplanes <laughs> seem to be a big topic <laughs> lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when you get on the airplane, uh, oftentimes you're told, uh, well, you know, you can't keep your cane there. Um and of course it depends on whether you know the regulations better than the flight attendants and a lot of times they don't have a clue Uh, it's just something they've thought up or been told or seen other people do Um, no you can't have your cane there no you can only sit there they have no clue what the actual regulations say and when you push them on it uh, they try to use the, the trump card which is well I'm the flight attendant so I know best uh but you know so a lot of blind people actually carry the regulation so that they can uh, show it to the flight attendant when necessary so again being smart being knowledgeable knowing what's right better than the other folks so you don't get talked into doing the wrong thing
2: definitely yeah that's a that's a really good point uh and and especially with regulations changing and all of that it's it's very good to have the power and the knowledge that gives you that power to make sure that you are able to do all the things that you would like to do in in a a good way is there anything else that you'd like to share surrounding uh, the topic of knowledge being power or the education system or our work in technology
5: well um, you know the biggest place to get knowledge I think is at our national convention. That's where we'll be collectively thinking about uh, what's next, where we need to go, what we need to do, uh, where the pressure points are and so of course I would encourage people to come to the convention. It's on my mind right now because I'm working on the agenda and what interesting things we might discuss at the convention. I also think that how we play in the technology space is really important. We have played a leading role in the development of technology, of course, with our KNFB reader being the flagship example, but there are others. Those technologies that we work on are usually to get access to information, not to fix the problem of blindness, which is what a lot of people hope technology will do, but to really solve the real problem of blindness, which in most cases is access to information, whether it's um, unidentified print objects or uh, signs in the environment or uh, information that you might want to get at a distance or things that you can't easily touch. We have to figure out how to get access to all of that information in real time, and we're certainly going to be talking about some of those new technologies at the convention and uh hopefully thinking up some new ones to build as well so uh, that's what i'd say about technology you know it's only one of the tools that we put in the box and it's real the real goal with technology is to get access to information and then to leverage all of the other technologies that people are using today have them be equally accessible and all of those are about getting access to information, Um, and we need to celebrate when it works well. You know, we just bought the Eero uh, Wi-Fi network for our house, and uh, fully accessible, every element of it, out of the box, the app, 100% accessible. So I wrote to the Eero company, I think they've put my letter online, now but we need to find more ways to share those experiences and celebrate the people that are doing it right that give us equal access but then we also need to be creative and not be held up by the inaccessible technology and find ways to keep moving forward
0: that's
2: right and part of the greatest thing about convention is not only will we be talking about technology and talking about the different tools that we use but there's always wonderful opportunities for networking and mentoring and blind people just showing other blind people how to do things in the real world and that's my very favorite part about convention is just interacting with everyone and getting those experiences of course the sessions are wonderful and there's all this great information and the banquet speech I'm sure will be fantastic. But there's so much more to convention. There's sort of that learning that goes on outside the convention hall as well, which is just as important. And we're particularly excited because Oriana is going to go with us this year. So That's right. It'll be, Absolutely. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun this year.
5: So speaking of technology, it makes me think of engineers. So we should you know, give an April happy birthday to our podcast engineer, Will Schwatka.
2: Hooray! <laughs> happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you! You're not singing. You. Happy birthday, dear Will. You. Happy birthday to you. I
5: left the, you know, best part to you. So. Oh well, thank you. That was you. my privilege.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, it was. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I've enjoyed sitting down with you, uh, talking with you on this presidential privilege uh, this evening. It's actually an exciting uh, day for all of us. As a Riccobono family, our son Austin will be having his very first Little League game. So that will be exciting and we will be privileged to go and attend that as his mom and dad.
5: And Take me out to the ball game.
2: Absolutely. So thanks for sitting down with me on the presidential privilege. Anytime. You're listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast.
1: See there and I, I knew you guys would would get along. I knew you'd hit it off. Yeah. You were nervous he's for no nice reason. Guy. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah right. He is he's a nice guy. guy. Yeah. I love the way that, you know, we always are able to put it in context because again, I think so many people think that technology is the answer and we don't realize or they don't realize that technology is the complement. You have to have that fundamental skill set. Master those fundamental skills of blindness if you're really going to be competitive, you know?
2: I do know. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true and it's the same with with anything really I, it's the argument of cane versus guide dog or mm-hmm. technology or or large print versus braille or
4: mm-hmm.
2: all of them are really tools in the toolbox and you need all the tools you need all the skills yeah and the more tools and skills you have the, the, better, the better off, you're, off be. you're going to be that's i right. had the
1: opportunity to present to some medical residents over at hopkins uh the other day
2: well, that's exciting. And I was
1: talking about, yeah, but, you know, that whole medical model gets kind of scary, oh, right? Because they extremely. think that if they can't fix us, then we're broken and they can't help right. us. Right. But uh, they were very receptive. And one of the gentlemen made this really good analogy. I never thought about when we were talking about technology. He says, is technology the answer? And before I was able to answer, he says, well, no, I guess it's like an MRI. He says, you can get the best MRI machine that's out there. But if you don't have the fundamental knowledge of how to interpret the information that it provides, it's not, it's useless. That's right. And I was like, wow, I'm going to use that. So I'm using it. I, I wow. should make sure he listens to this podcast, so he knows that I, I've should. already taken advantage of that. But it's it's really just that simple.
2: It, it is that simple, and that medical model is can be really scary, particularly for uh, little kids that mm-hmm. are diagnosed with blindness right away. So often it's they're going to be delayed in this. They're not going to do this on time. They're they're maybe never going to do this, and it just sets up those low expectations yeah. right from the start. And yeah. and it's just a really bad road to go down. Yeah. So,
1: And the way we counter that as an organization is we tell stories. I mean, we're great at telling stories. Uh, we talk about those fundamental skills and how they impact our lives. One of the tools that we've used for many years is our kernel books. The kernel books are our little paperback publications. It's kind of like a Reader's Digest Reader's Digest around blindness. And we have a host of these. I did leave some over at uh, Hopkins, and uh, we're looking at trying to place them in strategic places so that people can read the stories written by average everyday blind people so that they can understand how we perform those average everyday tasks. It's not magic. Um, you know, it's just understanding how to use those alternative skills in an effective fashion.
2: Definitely. And and we're doing some outreach surrounding those, right? We kind of want to move them out of our building. They don't do any good when they're just, sitting in here, exactly. right? They need to be out in the real world. So how do people go about getting some colonel books if well, they'd like to do some events?
1: People's friends, their families, rehabilitation professionals, social workers, whoever's out there that may engage. Well, hopefully it's everyone that's out there because we would like to be part of society overall will contact us at our Independence Market. That's at Uh You can go to our website and look at some of those things. or You can call us, uh, 410-659-9314, and press the number for the Independence Market and just ask. Uh, we have them in cases of 50, and we're more than willing to send them if you have use for them. Uh, so we're hoping that individuals will take advantage of this to make sure they strategically position these books in you know, maybe offices of ophthalmologists or um, in, in the school system where there's some blind students, because I think parents of blind children would benefit from some of these stories, and teachers of blind students would benefit from some of these stories. So we're looking for you to be creative with respect to how to use these materials so that we can make sure we educate the public that blind people have the capacity.
2: And I wouldn't even just limit it to ophthalmologist's office. I think any doctor, any dentist, anywhere where you're sitting Mm -hmm. for a long time and want to have something to read, Mm -hmm. I think that's where we should be distributing these books. And so maybe it's just a matter of having a few in a backpack or in a purse. I mean, they're nice little paperback books. So maybe it's just carrying them around and wherever you are, where you're sitting for a while, thinking, ooh, can yeah. I put this down? And, and um, that that could be a, a great use for them because, yeah. again, we need to get them out into the world.
1: I agree. And if you have some, if you're reading, share them with your friends as you travel through the world. Uh, so, yeah, we, we want to sure, make sure that we have our message circulating, that we kind of make it comfortable for people to understand that, you know, blindness is not scary and it's not amazing. Uh, blindness just is. That's and right. uh, we want to do that in a way that has positive impact on the lives of blind students. And blind people overall. I I only said blind students because I know you were talking earlier about some of the extra bonus podcasts that we're going to do specifically around education.
2: It is so exciting. We are going to have some bonus episodes of the Nation's Blind Mm. Podcast. This is like evolution. This is bonus content. Bonus. I I am so excited. I was (laughs) able to sit down with two wonderful teachers, uh, Serena Harris and Laura Kohler, Mm -hmm. and they're two of my favorite teachers because they teach two of my favorite kids. I uh, <laughs> wonder Harris, who they could be. <laughs> yeah, Serena Harris uh, teaches Oriana in mm-hmm. first grade. She's and one Laura of my favorite Kohler, kids, too. Uh, Oriana's a great kid. Yeah. And then Laura Kohler teaches Elizabeth in That's pre-K. another one
1: of my favorite kids. Yeah.
2: And uh, they're at Patterson Park Public Charter School. And so I sat down with them, and I talked with each of them about two things. The first thing I talked to them about was, what is it really like to teach a blind student? and they gave wonderful interviews with great responses and I think you're really going to enjoy those interviews and then the second thing that I talked with both of them about is what's it like to work with parents that happen to be blind and what things do you Mm. do as teachers to make sure that parents who are blind are able to access information and be a part of their children's education and again they gave great answers so I believe these are going to be up um, in the next couple of weeks I think we're going to do one a week they're about 15 to 20 minute uh, little bonus episodes I'm not Mm. not exactly sure what we're going to do first uh, if we're going to do the Both teaching blind students and then what's it like to work with blind parents or if we're going to do one week with teaching blind students the next week with blind parents and then go back and forth I'm I'm not exactly sure yet how that's going to work but please be on the lookout for those and share them Um, share this podcast anyway because this podcast is certainly meant to be for anyone Mm -hmm. who's interested in blindness and the National Federation of the Blind and what we are doing but these episodes in particular I think could have some really good reach for regular education teachers who maybe are going to have a blind student or parents of blind children who really want to know what teachers think about having blind kids in their classroom.
1: I think they'll be great educational tools.
2: Yeah, so yeah. please, you know, share them, make sure that they travel far and wide, and please give us feedback. We're, we're, we're hungry for it. We want this podcast to be what you would like it. We, we want to know if you like Bonus episodes. If you want us to work more on those as well as our monthly podcast, we just mm-hmm. we we need to know what all of you are thinking out there. So please. And it's so
1: easy to reach us.
2: It is so easy I mean, to reach us. You can email
1: us at podcast at nfb.org.
2: You can. You can call us at 410 659 9314, extension 2444.
1: You could follow us on Facebook.
2: And you can also follow us on Twitter at nfb underscore voice.
1: Yeah. So we're just waiting to hear from you.
2: Yeah, please. Please. Oh. We're, we're we're hungry. And um, you know, if you if you voicemail us in particular, you might even get on the podcast. So <laughs> now now maybe you won't want to, you know. Some people like that and some people don't. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, we, we really would. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make sure that this is relevant for all of you. And, and so we'd love your ideas for future episodes, and we'd love to know what you're thinking about the podcast.
1: Excellent. To close out, we thought it would be appropriate to talk about access technology in a real way. Uh, through our work as the Federation in making sure that non-visual access is possible for blind individuals, we were actually able to develop non-visual interfaces that allowed a blind person to drive a vehicle. Uh, President Riccobono back in 2011 actually drove our modified vehicle on the Daytona International Speedway, and that's the intro to one of the tracks from our "Rhythm of the Movement" CD, uh, "Access Technology." So we close with the track "Access Technology" from the "Rhythm of the Movement." You've been listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast, and remember,
2: you can live the life you want.
1: Blindness is not what holds you back. still extended out the window. He gives a big wave now to the cameramen that are down there.
5: Mark of the National Federation of is You got some mail, you gotta read. KNFB read is all you need. No need for blues, we got some news. Newsline is a tool that you can use. If you need a little cash, the ATM can talk back. Accessible technology Accessible technology Accessible technology Anything's possible And everything's accessible Accessible technology You wanna learn Go take a class Don't matter if it's English or it's math Technology Just needs to be Accessible so that we can achieve Teach acts, got it all Gonna bring it into law Accessible technology
1: Thank you for listening to the Nation's Blind Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, send an email to podcast at nfb.org or leave us a voicemail at 410-659-9314, extension 2444. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at NFB underscore voice. Check out the Nation's Blind channel on YouTube. And visit us on the web at nfb.org. Until next time, remember, you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back.